Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. With me today, Levi Belknap. Levi, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Excited to be here. Uh, just a, another kind of uh, exciting news announcement that has nothing to do with COVID and has everything to do with the advancement of education technology. Uh, very excited. Uh, the name of the company is Moreland Mind, correct? That is correct. Uh, but before we get uh, into the particulars uh, of your announcement, I do have to ask what it was like going through startup mode and stealth mode and the creation of a, a, a new product and technology uh, all while during a pandemic. It must have been quite an adventure. Talk, talk, talk a little bit about uh, the path uh, during the past year or two. Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. And it was not easy. So the company started three and a half years ago. So we had been in stealth mode for about a year and a half, um, I guess two years, by the time the pandemic began in the beginning of 2020. And we were at the critical moment of a startup where we need to be in the field, talking to customers, learning about what we're really solving. And we'd done a lot of that leading up to COVID and suddenly our access to classrooms went away. There were no students were in classrooms, no teachers were in classrooms, and we were building technology for teachers in classrooms. So that was a hurdle, right? It was very difficult for us. I think the, the it slowed us down in some ways, honestly. It took us longer. Uh, we're still trying to recover from that, trying to get into classrooms. We have some fantastic pilot teachers and schools that have worked with us through that. Uh, and we are looking forward to continued usage with teachers and helping us understand, but that was not easy. Uh, there were some definite civil, silver linings to COVID that did help us, but the, the actual process of building a startup when you need to talk to customers without being able to access them is hard. Yeah. Did it change um, the vision or the mission of, of what you're doing? And we'll, we'll get into what you're actually doing in a second. Yeah. But uh, did you have to pivot? I mean, is it something that where you were kind of, kind of handicapping, you know, when the schools would get back or if this is a forever change in the way we're going to teach and learn and how does that affect your product and your service? Uh, it definitely changed a lot of things for us, mostly about, I would say, the readiness of the world for the product we're building. Mm -hmm. I think before the pandemic, we were building technology, and we can get into it, but basically technology that assists teachers in managing and controlling and using all of the great technology they have around them. The real vision was, how could you build a digital assistant just for a teacher mm. that was trained to help a teacher with using their voice, using touch or click with a remote control, whatever way was easiest to them say, I want to pull up my lesson. I want to play a YouTube video. I want to send this lesson to students and have all of that happen instantly by saying, hey, Merlin. Well, once when we started building that, you could say there was some subset of teachers that were thrilled about the future of technology and using technology in all aspects of learning. There were plenty of teachers that were not and thought like, we're doing fine, status quo is okay. I don't need this kind of type of kind of futuristic technology or like the next evolution. Well, after COVID, all ears opened up. Every teacher had struggled with, I'm drowning in not just teaching, but also managing technology and now using this app and that app and this tool and that tool. And I think it opened the door for us to have many, many, many more teachers say, please help me. Yes, a yeah. digital assistant just for me, hallelujah. Yeah, I call, I call it the great beta test, right? So even all those teachers who may have been resistant to technology as described, how to use it, whether they like it or not, uh, as well as parents, as well as everybody. I mean, right. 
as we sit here, I don't particularly enjoy Zoom, but here we are. <laughs> it's making things happen in, in the same way. Well, that's interesting you say that because um, I think a number of myths have been debunked uh, because of this great beta test, right? And you talked about teachers who being resistant to technology. One of the reasons I remember there being a resistance was they were being told or they had a perception that technology was going to somehow eventually replace them in a classroom, right? Untrue. <laughs> we, we all now know that that's untrue. We find the value of teachers, uh, how important it is, and then it, it's an enabler. So it seems that Merlin Mind uh, is a perfect example of that enablement, right? But also using another boogie, uh, you know, a boogeyman, which is artificial intelligence. That's another one that kind of scares people. So talk about Merlin Mind and the use of artificial intelligence in the classroom. Yeah, that's a, those are two fantastic kind of questions and challenges we've had to face. If you go to the founding of the company, so Merlin Mind was founded by the leaders of IBM Watson's research lab that applied the Watson engine to education. They spent almost a decade saying, how can we build artificial intelligence for education? And where they started was on intelligent tutoring systems. And what that meant was basically, can we teach a computer to teach? Like, can you build an AI that's smart enough to actually teach back and forth with a student? And their learning was, no, the AI mm. is not there. You cannot replace a teacher. It is not possible to replicate the human dynamic between I understand how you feel. I understand what motivates you. I understand what content is going to connect with you. I know which other students you're going to jive with best. All those intangibles that teachers are really incredibly able to do, AI just can't do, right? So what they concluded was AI can really simplify and make it easier to use technology and, and use tools more effectively. Why don't we take the best of what's happening in consumer tech right now, which is voice, right? It's just so much more natural to interact with technology and multimodality, being able to use a remote or click or touch or whatever was easiest and say, let's give that to teachers. And so what we, what we are really built on is saying, nope, AI can't re replace teachers, point blank, not possible, not gonna happen in our lifetime, but it could really help them and they got a lot going on. So let's focus on that, removing friction, making it easier to use tools, helping them keep their eyes on students without having to constantly turn their back and navigate their computer, find the next tab, find the next video, pause the video, whatever those little things are that distract, let Merlin do that. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about how you see Merlin being implemented. Now, um, the, the CARES Act has come out. There seems to be a, not only a renewed interest in technology and, and, and the use of it, but also there's going to be some funding there. Um, is this something that you see as being a district-wide implementation? Is this something, is, is it a consumer product? Give, give us a, its place in the marketplace. Yeah, so it is definitely not a consumer product. A teacher's not pulling this in on their own. This is going in at the district school level. Uh, we saw from the beginning that this type of technology has the potential to connect the whole classroom, right? To interact and integrate with the front of room display, with the teacher's computer, with the apps and tools you're using. But it has to do so in a way that's private and secure and works for schools. And this is not the same as bringing in a voice assistant or using it on your phone. Like this has to be built for the classroom. So this is a solution that schools buy. Uh, they buy it in the same way they buy a, an interactive board for the front of the room or Chromebooks or devices or a projector or a document camera. This is a hardware infrastructural piece of the classroom. We, the device is called Symphony Classroom. It's proprietary. We built it. It has very powerful speakers and very intelligent mics and local edge AI processing so that it's private and secure and works in classrooms. 
and it sits in the classroom. It's very beautiful. <laughs> and it allows Merlin to be there, to listen to the teacher, to control the computer, to control the front of room display. And districts buy it to help their teachers navigate and control all the technology that's already in the room that works with the stuff that's already there. So if you have a, a high school with a three dozen classrooms, there are three dozen symphonies spread throughout the, the campus? So yeah, the, eventually we believe every classroom would have a symphony classroom, just like it has a, a display at the front of the room and a computer for the teacher. This is a device in each classroom to make that classroom much more seamless to use in the kind of the technology future that we're now living in. Uh, so give us a breakdown on the, on, the, on the hardware versus the software. Um, is, this, is this something that's going to sit on top of current platforms that are already in use? I could, give me a little bit of the, kind of the day-to-day -day as you envision it. Yeah, that's a great question. So the secret sauce is definitely in the software. The hardware is beautiful and it's critical to make this work. But we have a large team of AI engineers focused on how do you build a digital assistant that can understand human language, that understands education language, that integrates with the devices in the room, and that makes it possible to suggest shortcuts and tips and recommendations that a teacher can use to quickly say, I want to jump to that application. You mentioned like, what does it sit on or what does it kind of work with? We've really focused in the beginning on the tools the teachers are using most today. And we learned this from teachers. We went out into schools, like I said, before the pandemic and said, hey, what are you doing? And they said, well, you know what? I don't need another app. I have a bunch of great apps. What I need is help me with the apps I already have. And we said, well, what do you have? What are you using? And what was, became very obvious was everybody was living in the Chrome browser, accessing a bunch of web apps. They're going to Khan Academy. They're going to Newzella. They're going to Nearpod. They're going to Quizlet. They're going to Kahoot. They're going to like that, 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 right? So many of these amazing tools, Google Slides, YouTube, et cetera. And so we started the Chrome browser layer. So we helped the teacher control their own device and all the apps and tools they're accessing in their Chrome browser so that they almost don't have to change behavior. Mm. They can keep, they can come into the classroom literally with their computer, all the tabs up there I would have already had. And now they can literally connect to Symphony Classroom and Merlin can now let them say, hey Merlin, open my presentation from Google Drive. Boom, it goes in and grabs it. Go to the next slide, go to the YouTube video, pause the video. All of those things now can be done with voice command or they can be done with uh, this intelligent remote control. That's a very kind of critical part of the uh, multimodality that I can use in whatever way I want to use it. Uh, and we've heard from teachers that kind of like re refreshing kind of exasperation when they say, you mean it works with what I already have? Thank you. <laughs> right. Right, right. And I guess, I mean, I, I'm getting images of uh, Alexa. I'm sure you've yeah. heard that comparison sure. before. So it's like, hey, Alexa, open up Kahoot. And maybe that's a discrete difference than stopping, a, you know, stopping the, the flow of a classroom to bend over and open up Kahoot. I mean, the, but if the, right. all that is a difference, that is a big difference, right? Big difference. And that's one of the big, it's actually really hard for educators and teachers to really understand it until they see it. Because right now, voice assistants in our homes don't usually control all the things we see. We're asking questions and getting answers. Sometimes people have them connected to a display. But what is really the focus of Merlin is saying, how do you put it into the classroom in the way that it's needed? Mm -hmm. So being able to actually look at the front of room display, have my content up there, and then say, hey, Merlin, go to the YouTube tab. Skip to two minutes and 30 seconds in this video. Play the video. All of those things are possible out of the gate with Merlin. And it really, I think, opens people's eyes to, to what a digital assistant could do to help you with your work, right? Right now, we use digital assistants mostly like to listen to our favorite song or check the weather, check the time. But what does it mean if it's built for my work? That's what we focus on with education. And it really is about this 
interoperability across the applications and devices and the workflows, like what I'm doing every day when I'm teaching. Yeah, sounds uh, pretty sophisticated and, and maybe even a little complicated. Talk a little bit about how, say, if a teacher's roaming from class to class, does somebody pick them up, pick that professional up as they're going from class to class or kind of distinguish between, I, I can see some of my kids already trying to prank the symphony in, in the first day back in school. Yeah, so the symphony classroom is, is the device in the classroom. Merlin is our assistant. So the okay. interactions with Merlin. Uh, Merlin is ready to respond to the teacher in their classroom or in another classroom, right? You can have as many teachers as you want using the symphony classroom in the, in the, in the room and interacting with it. Uh, interesting, you bring up the idea of like, will it listen to the kids? This is one of those, you're talking about myth busting. This is an interesting myth to bust. So years ago, we started this idea, and that was the first question we heard from every teacher. It's like, are my, are my kids going to take control of it? And we were like, oh, shoot, we got to build for that. And so yeah. we spent years on this voice recognition technology that would only listen to the teacher. Then we got into pilots. It turns out nobody actually wanted that. Every teacher was like, oh, I want my students to be able to interact with it. I want the substitute to be able to interact with it. Like People were much less like, concerned with that when it got into the real everyday use. Interesting. And so we've actually kind of walked away from that for now. If you want, you can mute the Symphony Classroom device and only talk to it through the remote, through push to talk, so that the students can't control the device, only I can. Uh, but we've learned from actual pilot usage that teachers are much more excited about having a device that can interact with people in the room, not only listen to them. So we'll keep learning, but we're trying to just listen to teachers on what they actually need. Yeah. Well, give us a little bit of a, a timeline here. Now, it looks like we're all going back to school or at least certain percentages Finger, are coming back crossed. to school <laughs> every, every day. Man, I just keep trying to keep that glass I got three little full. kids. I got three little kids. I'm very excited for like real school to be back in session. Oh, man, me too. But so um, there seems to be a sense of normalcy returning. Um, and again, I think that there's a, a, a great momentum in terms of uh, funding uh, to get schools automated in a way that hasn't been in the past 20 years, that people have a recognition of the importance of all of this stuff. Um, where do you see uh, Merlin Mines in your crystal ball? I mean, going forward, best case scenarios. Give me, keep, let's keep the glass half full. Best yeah. case scenarios. Uh, what's, what's your horizon looking like for the, over the next three years? So this is a, you mentioned complicated. I think the less like the solution itself is pretty intuitive. Like I now can speak and see and touch and point and click. And so the user experience for teachers, we're aiming to be seamless. Like you quickly, this feels like I should have always been able to do this. Why didn't, why wasn't Merlin all the, always there? The complication to your point is more on how do you present and bring a new technology into an industry like education, like K-12 education, highly regulated, bureaucratic, long processes of buying and testing new technologies. So as far as like realistic, but glass half full, we have work ahead of us to help the world understand what Merlin is, how it can help, and why schools need this in every classroom. Mm. Uh, we have some great early adopter pilot schools that have been working with us through this year, actually, that during the pandemic, we're willing to bring the device in to some of our team masked in their testing uh, kind of interoperability in these classrooms. But I think where, where, where you'll see kind of Merlin focus, Merlin Mind focus over the next year, this fall, we have a early access program where we're bringing in 
kind of those pioneering schools and early districts that really want to be part of the next wave of how instruction works with the new technology, with uh, digital assistance, with voice, with touch and point and click. So we are looking for those early adopters. We're going to focus on making the product work right in their environments, with their tools, with the needs they have. And then you'll start to see us make a lot more noise in 2022. Like we're going to be pretty quiet still. You're not going to hear a lot from us. We're going to be talking to our users, talking to teachers, talking to administrators, understanding what they need, getting in there, making sure the technology is working correctly, working out kinks. I mean, honestly, one of the biggest challenges has been when we need to integrate an interface with all the devices in a classroom, every classroom is different. Every classroom has a different type of display, a different type of Wi-Fi network access controls. It's complicated, right? So uh, we want it to work seamlessly for every school, and that's going to take some time, and we are on the path. Well, uh, thank you for talking with me. This is some yeah. exciting stuff that you have going on. And again, it's, just, it's, it's great to see that uh, the industry is, is churning through despite all the madness. And uh, congratulations. Thank I know you. it wasn't easy. And I look forward to following uh, what I hope is your, your continued success. So I appreciate your time, Levi. Thank you for having me. We're, we're excited to be here. And thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And I hope you click around and find another episode soon.